What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, what's happening out there, guys? Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 113. Meaning all the show notes for the episode today can be found at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL113. You might be able to hear my voice. I once again have a cold. I swear to God, I can't seem to just get on a healthy kick. Granted, been burning at both ends, and uh, this is inevitably the result. But I am at the height of feeling like complete dog shit right now, so... Just going to get through a couple quick things. I don't want to leave you guys hanging. As always, I am here for you. I would not skip an episode, but it is going to be not as good. (laughs) Not as good as usual. Uh, But, you know, fortunately for you guys, ah, mm, I just felt the fever come on. Awesome. Now I'm I'm just sweating. I'm recording sweating. This is great. Um, Fortunately for you guys, though, I did release the, uh, the first episode of Do Nothing Man faux free. And that was uh, yesterday. You could download that. It will be in the feed. I'm not going to pull it off or anything, but that's a new series, which I am going to be putting out to our Patreon slash pride members. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, if you listen to the first episode, you'll see kind of getting into it. And like anything, you know, it's interesting to try something new, ease into it, find the voices of the characters, how the dynamics are going to work for the show, et cetera. And, uh, and that'll be a continuing evolution. But for the first episode, I'm pretty happy with it. And uh, feel free to give me give me your thoughts on that. And hopefully I get your thoughts by virtue of you joining the Pride. And of course, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Okay. Uh, so let's get into the show a little bit here. Obviously, the Oscars were this past Sunday. I did watch those Oscars. I was, uh, you know, I was surprised. I thought there'd be a lot more in the way of political points of view being shared uh, a little bit more. Now, granted, not having a host definitely helped with that, I would think. Not that necessarily Kevin Hart is a real political guy. In fact, he's kind of made an effort to stay out of the political realm for the most part, unless people dredge up old tweets of his <laughs> making uh, gay jokes because, you know, you can't have that. But, you know, the non-host format seemed to work pretty well. I think the Oscars were actually a little shorter than usual, which was nice to see. And apart from a little crack about the border wall in the beginning with uh, the three gals there, uh, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, and I'm blanking on the other girl's name. and I'm not going to look it up, but you know who I mean. The gal from Bridesmaids, uh, Rashida. I can't remember her name. Oh, whatever. Anyway, they made a little crack about the the wall saying Trump was not going to pay for the border, nor nor would they be, uh, or, or I'm sorry, Mexico is not going to pay for the wall, nor would there be a host in the show. But otherwise, most of the speeches were pretty much drama-free. Now, you know, considering the, all the nominees that were involved, and full disclosure, 
I did not get screeners. I am not part of the Academy and uh, I did not seek out most of these films because a lot of the time I will wait for them to come to cable uh, unless it's something that I particularly think would be extra good to see in the theater, you know, some sort of big budget uh, visual effects laden masterpiece. Otherwise, oh, it's really got to grab me or I'll just wait for it to, to go on demand. So I didn't really see any of these films and I have Vice on DVD, uh, still haven't watched it yet. Heard it was pretty entertaining movie, but not groundbreaking. I was shocked as shit that Christian Bale did not get the uh, the Best Actor Award because I thought you got a liberal audience, you got Dick Cheney, you got a guy who, for, from everything I've heard, knocked it out of the park in the role. And uh, for him to lose to, to Remy Malek, that was shocking. Shocking. You know, a guy who's just, you know, I mean, hey, everybody loves Freddie Mercury. I love Freddie Mercury. Queen's fantastic. But a movie that I heard from many sources, both uh, far and wide, was fairly paint by the numbers. And if not for the music of Queen in it, would have just been kind of like a meh movie. So surprising to see there. But, you know, again, not many people stepping up and, and making these statements. But as I was saying earlier, the nominations themselves. Okay, you got Green Book, which obviously is uh, is making a point about the Jim Crow era. You've got Black Klansman, which of course is Spike Lee, a uh, a man who many people, including myself, consider to be a racist in his own right against white people. Uh, making this film about you know, this kind of true life story, which sounds pretty interesting, about a uh, a white guy posing as a Klansman or trying to infiltrate the Klan in lieu of a black guy. Sounds interesting. Haven't seen it. <laughs> But you got that nominated. You've got Roma, of course, nominated, which is a story about uh, it takes place in Mexico. So that ties in heavily with the immigration issue. So, you know, a lot of a lot of the nominations were not big surprises because of the subject matter involved. And we all know that the Oscars wants to avoid any sort of connotation of hashtag Oscars so white. So that played into it naturally. But in the speeches outside of maybe Spike Lee, I can't really think of anybody that that went out of their way to make a big political statement. Now, Spike Lee did, and his was one of the most ridiculous, rambling, and idiotic speeches I've ever heard in my life. Um, you know, they're calling it a quote-unquote powerful political speech. You know, like the Hollywood Reporter said, it's a powerful political speech. I don't know. He goes on stage dressed literally as Waluigi from Mario Kart. I mean, his outfit, it was like... He beat up a uh, one of the guys who runs the bus from Harry Potter. You know, this ridiculous purple cabbie outfit. Comes on stage, gives this rambling speech, which was barely understandable, in which he says, the date, the 24th, the month, February, which happens to be the shortest month of the year, which always happens to be Black History Month. <laughs> Is that reading too much out of the... Really, that's that's what you got to harp on now is that February is the shortest month of the year and uh, that's Black History Month. Meanwhile, I mean, there's not a, a Hispanic History Month that uh, that I the people really celebrate this prevalent. There's far more people that are Hispanic in this country than black. Anyway, it just seems like a ridiculous thing to harp on. But he talks about 400 years. Our ancestors were stolen from Northern Africa and brought to Jamestown, Virginia and enslaved. Now, okay. I acknowledge, yes, that did happen, but you know, it's one of those things where every time I hear people talk about their ancestors being stolen from Northern Africa, I roll my eyes a little bit. And the reason is not obviously because I want to demean uh, what people went through that, that went through slavery, or I want to 
glance over the historical significance of slavery, which existed worldwide. But when Spike Lee phrases it in such a way, he's clearly pointing the finger at white people and ignoring the fact that the people that sold these slaves were black people and that tribes in Africa, and this is historical fact, uh, incontrovertible, uh, irrefutable historic fact, but you had tribes in Africa conquer each other. They would enslave each other, number one, and they would sell the extra people that they you know, either either pure, pure profit or they would sell those they didn't need to European or American slave traders, et cetera, who then would take them to other nations. And, you know, I, it is awful. Don't get me wrong, but I just I, I'm over this narrative that for some reason, American whites are uh, are the greatest evil in the world when. America, you know, and the British were some of the first to get rid of slavery, and then they went out and really fought against it. And Americans, we had the Civil War, and considering how long we had slavery, which is a very short amount of time because compared to virtually the rest of the world, Americans had slaves. And then, you know, a, some 60, 70, 80 years later, a big Civil War broke out, and uh, no more slaves. Yeah, no more slaves there anymore. Um, I just feel like it's a, a narrative that needs to be pushed back upon a little bit. And it wasn't as though Americans went over there and whites went over there and conquered these these native uh, tribes and stole them away. Other African tribes did that, and they sold them in a, in a trading manner. Anyway, he keeps going on. So something about being called Spiky Poo, and then goes into this rant about the 2020 presidential election is around the corner. So let's all mobilize. Let's be on the right side of history. Make the moral choice between love versus hate. Now, he gets a big applause for that. But meanwhile, what's the moral choice between love and hate here, Spike? It sounds to me like you're fostering division between people already, and you don't even know who the fucking nominee is going to be. How can you say it's a choice between love and hate? When I doubt you even gave a, a glance to the libertarian candidate, which of all the candidates that t- took the stage would have been the one to embrace the most amount of love because the libertarians don't want to go to war and bomb the shit out of children, continue to murder people. We don't want to tell you how to live your life. We don't want to tell you who you can or can't marry. That seems to be the candidate for love. But I doubt Spike Lee took half a second to register that. No, for him, Trump is evil. Anybody that runs on the Democratic ticket is good. And we have to replace the moral choice of love. And that being the Democratic candidate. The Democrats, who, of course, are rabid authoritarians. And you see that with, you know, a- AOC telling people to, to sit down there in the cheap seats and that they just need to shut up because uh, the Democrats are in control with the New Green Deal. So, you know, if you don't agree with the New Green Deal, just shut up. You're not allowed to have an opinion. This is the Democratic way of thinking. So anyway, that was a joke. And frankly, Spike Lee is a joke, in my opinion. Uh, just uh, <laughs> maybe the movie's entertaining. But he also, this is the other thing that really just bugs the shit out of me. You know, Spike Lee also... Has been writing Do the Right Thing for years and years and years, which is a so-so movie. But he then, you know, inserts this footage from the marches that took place in uh, Charlottesville at the, in, his, in his movie. And I didn't know this until a buddy of mine told me this, who'd seen the movie. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I don't know. He goes, I like the movie. All right. It was a pretty interesting story. He goes, but then it just shoehorned in there is this, this stuff with Trump and Charlottesville. And he goes, and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, they took me totally out of the movie. Why is it in there? And I agree with that. Why is it in there? You know, you have a a movie about a historical context. These things happen about the Klan. Okay, cool. Make a movie about that. Excellent. 
But now you're shoehorning in this political stuff, which, by the way, has nothing to do with one another. You had a bunch of a bunch of alt writers, uh, some of whom had nothing to do with racism. I'm sure you know this kind of wanted to do them thing. They're they're probably uh, enamored with whatever the movement was. Went in March, and again, this is like 400 people versus what I don't even know how many thousands. <coughs> he definitely had some anti-Semites and racists in that crowd marching. But to put in this footage of Trump and the guy at the car, where it's you know, and and somehow conflate this as though there's this big modern racist movement happening and it's all Trump's fault is just insane. Because what have we had? By the way, since that march happened, what have we had? Have we had a mass amount of racism break out? Have we seen a ton of, of these marches happening all over? Have we seen a big rise in white supremacist groups? No. It's like I talked about last ELL. You know, all these all these hoaxes come out. All these alleged crimes, hate crimes against Jewish people or black people turn out to be false. They turn out to be perpetrated by people against themselves to try to prove a point, to try to do what Spike Lee is doing and to divide people further instead of bringing them together. It's just, it's aggravating as fuck for me to watch this shit. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> so moving past Spike Lee, uh, Oscars overall, though, I'd say probably the most enjoyable Oscars I've watched in the last few years because there was the lack of, of preaching. I really did appreciate that. Um, I did enjoy some of the speeches. Olivia, what's her face? Who won for, uh, the queen movie, whatever she is. She is pretty cute and funny. She's on a great British show called peep show, which is a comedy. So it's funny to see her win an Oscar after uh, you see her hilarious performance in that. And of course you had Wayne's world, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey up on stage. Hilarious. Um, one other thing I want to do to uh, mention about the Oscars though, too, is they did the whole in memoriam thing and there was one conspicuous absence and that was, uh, what was his name? Lee Irby. Shit. I'm blank on R, R. Lee Irby. That's it. R. Lee Irby, who of course was famous for his role in full metal jacket where he is marching up and down. He's the sergeant and he's yelling at pile. You know, you look like you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose, which of course Good luck. <laughs> Good luck getting that into movies now. But as a former Marine, you know, I guess fairly decorated Marine. I think he was actually a Marine sergeant. And then he goes into acting and he's been in so many movies. I mean, he was in like over 100 movies and big name movies, you know, instantly recognizable face, instantly recognizable voice. He did you know, just a guy that you can't forget, but who was also because he was a Marine, because he was a conservative outspoken against any sort of infringements on the Second Amendment. He was an outspoken in, in defense of uh, Constitution and liberties as he as he believed them to be. And of course, he's not in the not in the in memoriam. You get all sorts of chumps in there. Not this guy. Not this iconic actor. So it just goes to show you that Hollywood wants to make sure you forget anybody that happened to fall on the conservative side of things, or even just happened to like the fact that they could own guns. Okay. Uh, what else do I want to cover here? Okay, so I do want to get into uh, real quick. I want to talk about the Democrats blocking this born alive bill. And, you know, we talked about this, just the, the awful bill that was passed in New York. And of course, the one in Virginia. Now they've blocked the Republican bill that would have threatened prison time for doctors who don't try to save a life of an infant born during a failed abortion. And, to me, that just kind of seems like, uh, and it also it also blocks funding from going towards <coughs> helping these these babies if they're born after a failed abortion. And it just seems like one of those things where you go, "Why would you block this? 
I, I mean, it's it was, it's literally a viable living baby at this point. It's born. It's alive. You tried to kill it. The thing survived once. Let it live. For the love of God, I mean, how cruel, how how awful do you have to be? And these people voted to to block it. Uh, every single one of the 2020 hopefuls for the Democrats, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Kristen Gillibrand, Amy Q- Klobuchar, whatever you say her name is, and Elizabeth Warren, all decided to vote it down. And it just, I, I just, I don't get, how you can prioritize lives of people who are not even citizens of the country. You know, they put forward all these spending bills to help immigrants and pay for their college and pay for their medical care and pay for this and pay for that. Meanwhile, approving murdering infants that are viable in in the country that would be born citizens in this country. It's funny. They fight so hard to keep the law that if you're born here, you're a citizen. If you're, if you're an illegal citizen here, if you're illegals, illegals coming in to have a baby here, of course, you know, now it's a, an American citizen. They'll fight for that. But meanwhile, they won't support a bill which serves to try to keep a baby alive, which which has survived an abortion attempt. I just am, I'm blown away by it. And Donald Trump nailed him on it. Uh, this will be remembered as one of the most shocking votes in the history of Congress. If there's one thing we should all agree on is protecting the lives of innocent babies. I'm with you, Donald I'm with you, man. It is uh, unbelievable. And that ties into another topic I wanted to hit in this uh, truncated episode, which is, you know, we're seeing all these Democrats come out in the most awful ways in uh, in the pro-choice movement or the pro-murder movement, I guess, because pro- it goes beyond pro-choice, in my opinion. And now they're all talking about, <coughs> I'll talk about reparations. Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris, all talking about reparations for families that are affected by slavery. And now Elizabeth Warren, on top of that, was talking about Native Americans. Now, I, from a libertarian perspective, that this is a little bit of a trick here because I've said in the past, you know, ideally I would be for reparations if they were done within a reasonable amount of time. It's kind of like a statute of limitations thing for me in that I don't think it's right to say, okay, now we're going to punish people generations down the line for something that was committed during an earlier time and during an earlier time when that practice was accepted. That doesn't mean the practice was right, mind you, but done when that practice was accepted. And I'm not just talking about slavery, but I'm talking about the genocide, which was, which was perpetrated against the Native Americans too. But, you know, we're talking about a period in time when conquest was the theme of the day. You know, that's the way in which land was acquired. That was what it, throughout the world. That is which, you know, the way in which states were created, the way in which uh, governing took place was by conquest. And to pretend that you could have the liberty we have today without the evolution of society through this period is ridiculous. I mean, I always think about that, you know, to, you have to have a certain level of culture in which to have liberty. And that's where libertarians, you know, people want to, to attack libertarians and say, oh, you live in this pie in the sky. How do you think we would have come to this, that, blah, 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 blah. So, well, no, we, you know, we can talk about it now. You know, because it, you know, even trying to 
Think of how a democracy, a republic would work back in the day. It was difficult before you had governments, before you had a certain level of evolution of society and dialogue and language and culture and writing to enable these things to happen. <coughs> so, of course, now we're to the point where you should be able to have a libertarian society. But we had to go through these days. And because something happened that was atrocious in the past doesn't mean that the people in the present, 200 years removed, should be punished by that, and that people who are affected or, or, or largely, I'd say, unaffected 200 years later, how do you even forecast that effect on people, should be rewarded for what happened to their ancestors. I just, I, it's one of those things where it's just, it sounds like a pure talking point because I don't know how you'd possibly put it into position. And just like the New Green Deal, I don't know how you plan on paying for it. You're talking about, at this point, millions of people. I mean, the vast majority of black people that are here in the United States are descendants in some way, shape, or form of slaves. So how can you possibly put a price tag on that? And you want to do this on top of all these other spending bills, on top of the New Green Deal, on top of the, the spending for all the immigrants, on top of paying for everyone's college, on top of paying for, for everybody's medical care? Like, wh at what point do you say, this is ridiculous? We cannot possibly tack anything more onto this. Or are these people just too stupid to understand that it's not a blank check you can just continue to write forever? That there is a looming debts, you know, wall of debt approaching us at, at lightning speed that could literally destroy this country. I mean, I, I don't know where these Democrats are going to stop and what they could promise to people. It's, it is incredible to watch. All right, let's take a quick break. I'll be right back with a couple more things. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one -on -one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 113. All right, last couple of things I want to talk about here. Uh, federal court ruling that a male-only draft is unconstitutional. Congratulations, feminists, you did it. <laughs> you, you did it, gals. You can now be drafted. Well, actually, we don't know that. They, either, they have a choice to make now, which is to see uh, if, it, if it holds up against appeal, which... It should. Uh, Congress has to choose between either expanding the draft to include women or ending it completely. Now, if I know this government, and I think I do, we're going to see them expand the draft to include women. <laughs> that's, that's what I would guess. And you'll see this not as a expanded assault on uh, the choices and freedoms, which we all enjoy, including the freedom to not go and uh, be slaughtered for whatever random event your country decides to take part in uh, across the world. But it will be 
touted as a super achievement for equality and women's rights. And I'm sure you'll see women's groups cheer this because really, what can they do? It's kind of like during the State of the Union when Trump announced that all these women were in Congress and uh, and the women had taken 58% of the new jobs and the Democrats, all the women Democrats dressed in white, didn't know what the hell to do because they had to cheer. It was good news for the, you know, women are, are moving forward. So these women rights groups are going to have to, they're going to have to cheer now. They have to say, hooray, we can now be drafted. Congratulations. We can go off and, uh, and murder people and be murdered in turn. So another blow struck for equality and another blow struck against individual liberty. But uh, hey, on the bright side, for all these people that are really enamored with Israel, we'll be just like them. We can have a nice mandatory draft where everybody has to serve two years in the military regardless of sex. Won't that just be fantastic? Okay, the other thing I want to talk about, this is just, again, too funny, too funny, is the State Department is rolling out a social media campaign to uh, to help rile up the Iranian public. <laughs> They're distributing videos calling on Iranians to reject their government. <laughs> and, I mean, you're not going to hear any anybody on the Democrat side of things uh, talk about how this is just an example of election meddling, which, of course, it is. We're talking about in advance of their next election cycle, rolling out videos on social media posted in Farsi, encouraging the Iranian public to, re- to reject their corrupt religious mafia that is the Iranian government. I mean, what... At what at what point do people stop pretending that we don't overthrow governments? I mean, at what point do people not take a step back? You know, it's kind of like the Ron Paul moment where he's saying, why do people hate the United States? This is why. The depths of hypocrisy. You know, it's like this, the pool of hypocrisy which we swim in is so vast and so deep. There could be untold amount of Loch Ness monsters in the bottom of it, and we'll never find them. We could have the best sonar, the best submarines. Just like in Loch Ness, we can search forever. We never find those Nessies because that's how deep the hypocrisy we swim in is. I mean, we're talking about, what was it? A hundred grand of of Russian ads spent and uh, (laughs) having Hillary Clinton, talking about Hillary Clinton and cats, uh, just ridiculous things. And meanwhile, we're rushing out these social media videos in Farsi, talking, telling the uh, the public to overthrow their government. I mean, Russia didn't even go that far. Russia's not like, hey, comrade, you like pussycats? Overthrow your government. No. <laughs> Only the United States has the balls to do something like that. To not even try to hide it. To not even be, be cute or clever about it. At least the Russians were clever. At least the Russians had some meme game. Not us, man. Not, not our State Department. They just go rushing face forward into that into that mess. So anyway, that was uh, that was too funny. And then the last thing tying into that concept of election meddling, I wanted to, to talk about is in New Jersey, the Democratic state led Senate passed a legislation passed legislation uh, inspired by Trump's failure to disclose his tax returns, and it requires the presidential and vice presidential candidates to at least five years of federal tax returns to appear on the state ballot. Now, I mean, they're all giving credit for, for creativity. All right. I, I'll, I'll give you a creative credit there. But I mean, again, isn't this election meddling? How can you possibly get away with this? 
You're talking about literally inventing rules to circumvent one of the major political parties positioning their candidate, who happens to be the sitting president, who happens to be the incumbent, from putting a name on a ballot. And you could do this with virtually anything. It's, I mean, if this if this gets approved, if this isn't fought back against and and not and, you know uh, stricken from the record by the courts, you will literally be green stamping, green stamping, rubber stamping. You'll be green book stamping. You'll be rubber stamping states to do all sorts of retarded shit like this to try to eliminate someone's candidate from gaining office should they control the state level Senate House with their political party. That is fucking terrifying, man. And you know, it's no shock that Jersey's trying to pull this shit, but that is absolutely terrifying. And uh, I'm curious to see if it's going to hold up. I mean, I can't see a way that it possibly could, but we'll see. We'll see if Governor uh, Murphy, Philip Murphy, signs that into law after it passes through the uh, the assembly. And then the fireworks will begin. All right. Well, I'm going to go die on the couch now. Thanks for listening. This is Brian McWilliams, Lions of Liberty, Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged into liberty and into Robotussin. <laughs>